Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to episode 83 of All About Fitness. This episode is a quick fit tip, and I'm going to start off by answering a, a listener email. Now, I'm really excited about this. I'm starting to get some requests in, and before I go any further, to those of you who have taken the time to, to write a review, I want to say thank you, and I want to say a sincere thank you, because I really appreciate um, some of the comments that you've made and some of the feedback you've given, because I, I really... What I'm trying to do with this podcast is trying to bring you realistic, evidence-based information, fitness information that, that's based on science, that's based on research, that's, that's based on observations. And, and you've heard me ask a couple of, of the people I've had on recently, researchers, about you know kind of which comes first, you know the, the gym trend and then the researchers trying to understand it, or the researchers conducting research and it being applied in the gym setting. And more often than not, the research is trying to understand why the trends work and, and, and trying to quantify why the trends work. So I've been trying to sh- shed some light into that. But it's important to understand that, that exercise has a purpose. And that's what I'm trying to, to bring, with, bring to you with this podcast is to help you learn how to exercise smarter, not harder. Which takes me into this email question. And this is a common question. I mean, I've heard this time and time again over the years, especially in, in recent, in, you know, recently, with the uh, popularity of hot room yoga. Holly wrote in to, to ask me to settle a score between her parents or settle an argument between her parents. <laughs> when I first read that, I was a little nervous because that, that's not really my area of expertise. It's much better off for uh, Dr. Fraser Crane. But her email states, and she, is, she has an exercise science background, but her email states both of her parents enjoy taking an indoor cycling class. Her mother in the class likes to have the fan on. There are certain people in the, in the class that like to have fans on in the class because it helps them stay cool. Meanwhile, Holly's father likes to have the fans off. And there are other people in the class that likes to have the fans off because they feel like it makes them hotter. And if they're hotter, they burn more calories. Well, let's take a look at that. Because first, remember, exercise is stress. When you start working really, really hard, your body's in a very stressful situation. So what, what a fan will do and what clothing will do, and this is why wearing clothing can be important, especially clothing that, that wicks the moisture away. What a fan will do is help your body stay cool. You know, there is, there's a minor, there's a minor difference in burning calories in extreme heats. I mean, your body might spend a few more calories, not many, but a few more calories in thermal regulation. Thermal regulation is your body's internal thermostat. So when you expend energy, when, when you work at a higher intensity, you expend energy, you're burning carbohydrate or glycogen from the muscles. In the muscle cell, in muscles, muscle tissue, one molecule of, of glycogen holds on to about three or four molecules of water. So when you use glycogen for energy, when it's converted to ATP, it releases the water and that water is then used to help cool off your body. So th- there's a purpose for that. And sweat has a purpose. It's helping your body stay cool. Exercise in a hot room, be it cycling, be it yoga, whatever it is, exercise in a hot room won't necessarily make you burn more calories, but it's going to put more stress on your body because your body has to work harder and attempt to thermoregulate. You know, so if you're wearing, if you wear a moisture working shirt, if you drink plenty of water, if you have a fan on, what that'll do is allow you to maintain a more consistent body temperature so you can expend your energy on exercise and not on your body trying to remain cool. Because here's the thing, folks, if your body gets too hot during exercise, you risk dehydration and heat illness. Now, it'll take more than a 45, 50 minute cycling class to really become dehydrated if you if you practice good hydration. 
which means about six to 10 glasses of water throughout the day. So it would take a lot of work to do that. But when it comes down to a 45-minute class, in my opinion, and there might be other people who feel differently, but in my opinion, based on the evidence, you're much better off running a fan. You're much better off having the room at a cooler temperature. Why? Because if your room is at a cooler temperature, your body won't have to expend the energy thermoregulating, but it can expend that excess energy by working harder. If you want to burn more calories in cycling class, folks, here's a tip. Turn that resistance lever up. Because in my experience, I've been teaching cycling for almost 20 years. In my experience, many people don't use enough resistance. You know, calorie is a measure of unit of energy. If you're trying to burn calories, there's only one way to do that. You have to expend energy. And, and going really fast with a little resistance in a hot room, trying to sweat a lot, <laughs> well, you're going to feel exhausted. But if you're not using much resistance, you're not putting much load into the muscles. You're not ma- developing any strength. You're not putting much productive stress on the body. So, Holly, to answer your question, it is much better off to use a fan during indoor cycling class because if you're comfortable, you can work harder. So thank you for writing in. And if you have a question that you'd like answered, I don't know if I want to go down the marital counseling route, but if you like a question, if you have a question like answered, please send it to me, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. So what I want to talk about today on this quick fit tip are the different types of personal trainers. Because for years, and keep in mind that personal training as an industry is about as old as the tech industry, about 40 years old. Personal training evolved in the 1970s in Southern California from people who wanted to look like bodybuilders. So this is when you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was getting a lot of notoriety. He was winning Mr. Olympia titles. The movie Pumping Iron came out. That was you know, kind of the first. The 70s is where health clubs really started getting more popular. You had the Cooper Clinic come out and promoting aerobic exercise as a way of maintaining health and maintaining weight. Well, the first people that were personal trainers were bodybuilders. And the whole model was you hire body, somebody who's a bodybuilder to help you look like a bodybuilder. So the first type of personal trainer that's out there are the traditional trainers that either work in a health club or work in a studio. These are people that, that will help you in an environment, whether in a studio and you're going to them see them specifically, or they work in a health club, you got matched up with them when you, when you first started the health club. There's one type of trainer being in a traditional studio or health club. A second type of trainer is an in-home trainer. Somebody who'll come to your house or a lot of apartment buildings and housing developments now have really nice health clubs or fitness centers in them. And some of them will allow personal trainers to come in if they have the appropriate credentials and insurance and stuff. So you can have in-home trainers. You have the the gym-based trainers. You have the in-home trainers. And this is a new one. Well, not new, but in Southern California, I see this a lot. You have trainers that train their clients outside. You know, certain cities in Southern California require a permit to be able to do that. Some cities may not care. If you live in an environment, you might be able to train outside with a trainer, you know, with boot camp classes or conditioning classes. So we have in-club or studio trainers. We have in-home trainers. We have a park, you know, outdoor-based trainers. Those are all traditional types of personal trainers that have been out there for, you know, for almost 40 years now. The new generation of trainers, we've seen a huge shift in the last maybe five to seven years with technology. There are trainers that are now doing online coaching. And trainers offering online fitness programs. You know, a friend of mine, Sam Barry, who was just um, interviewed a couple of episodes ago, Sam moved from San Diego to Maine, back home to Maine, but he kept all of his clients in, in, in San Diego and he trains them remotely. He has his clients bring an iPad or a phone and he connects with them, either FaceTime or um, Skype, and he trains them in the gym. So he's still an employee of his gym, his health club, even though he lives 3,000 miles away in Maine. And, and to, to be 100% honest, we moved out to San Diego a few years ago. He kept some of his clients in Boston and did the same thing. 
So you have online training. If you have online training, you can either buy a pre-programmed workout that's just generic. Here's a template. Do this workout. You can buy one based on your specific needs. And, and there are apps out there that help trainers manage the fitness program with you. For example, Polar. Um, Polar has a, a, a feature in their products where you can have a coach monitor your, your work output. You know, if you, if you work out regularly with a Polar, you upload that information, a coach can have or a trainer can have access to that and kind of watch that. So you have that type of, of trainer who's very interactive with you. You have that type of trainer that, you know, will sell you a program. It may not be personalized, but it might be a program for strength, weight loss, whatever it is. It's just a general program. You know, finally, you have these Instagram trainers. Um, and this is a really new because there's been a lot of discussion. You know, my friend Amanda Vogel, who I interviewed a couple of episodes ago, my friend Amanda has written some great articles on this for one of the health, uh, for one of the fitness personal trainer trade certification groups. Because what's starting to happen is people are looking for fitness advice and, and they're giving somebody with, you know, half a million, a million, whatever many followers on Instagram or, or YouTube. Those people all of a sudden have more credibility than someone who has a four-year degree, a master's degree, a certification, because people can look online on Instagram or YouTube and say, wow, that person has a great body. I want to look like that. I'll do what he or she tells me to do. Regard and they don't know anything about this person, about the credentials. Meanwhile, there are other, you know, there are trainers out there that have extensive amount of education and knowledge. And, and let me be 100 percent clear: not all Instagram trainers might not, you know, might lack knowledge. Many of them do have, you know, degrees and certifications. But I want to be very, very clear: just because somebody looks great and just because somebody presents well in, you know, 40 second, 60 second clip does not mean they have the skill set to help you reach your goals. Because remember, exercise is stress. And, and no matter what else you learn listening to these podcasts, understand that, that exercise is stress on the body. How you apply that stress can either lead to great results or it could lead to an injury or, or even possible death. So it's not to put down Instagram trainers, no matter how you work with a trainer, live, online, Instagram, no matter how you work with a trainer, understand the trainer's background. What, what education does that trainer have? You know, is she, at the bare minimum, he or she should have a certification and preferably a certification from an accredited organization. There are many certifications out there, but the, the accreditation ensures that there's a specific testing process. I got to stop saying that. For some reason, I, I hang around Canadians for a day or two and I start talking funny. But, you know, certification, what a certification does is a certification tests somebody to make you sure you have the skill sets for a specific job category. Personal trainers need to be able to conduct a health risk assessment. They should be able to conduct a movement assessment. They need to be able to design an exercise program. They need to be able to modify that program for any special needs. And they need to be able to do reassessments. And finally, they need to be able to follow the scope of practice. Those are what we call domains. Any certification is going to test based on those domains. And does a trainer have the knowledge to be able to apply that information? You know, somebody who just looks good, you know, doesn't necessarily know that. And they might not know to screen for certain issues. They might not know that men over the age of 45 is a risk factor for heart disease. You know, they just may not know that. And that's, that's why it's important that no matter who you, who you work with, how you interact with them, live or online or whatever, that the bare minimum, they have a certification. You know, ideally, they would have a four-year degree, even a two-year degree. I, I teach in a community college program. And that, I think, is, a, is kind of the bare minimum for learning a lot. And I'll be 100% honest, when I first started training 20 years ago, I just had a bare minimum certification. And it kind of scares me because I knew a little bit. 
and I was in my 20s, so I thought a lot, knew a lot more than I really did. I, you know, that's the, the case. I thought I knew a little bit, but it turns out there's a lot I didn't know. And that's why I got an education, because I found that by learning and teaching others, it helped me learn the information better. So if you're going to work with a trainer, whether you're going to do it live or you're going to do it online, understand that trainer's background. Understand that trainer's education. When you first sit down with the trainer, you've heard me talk about this with numerous guests, the trainer should be asking a lot of questions about you, your needs, your background. Do you have any existing injuries? You know, Because if you do fitness wrong, if you do exercise wrong, it could kill you. And I'm not saying that for hyperbole. It, it could kill you. So that's where, you know, just want to be mindful of that. So if you look at it, if you, you know, follow an Instagram trainer, if you follow a trainer on Instagram, great. They, they can motivate you. They can give you some ideas for various exercises. There are a few, few trainers I love following on Instagram because these folks are incredibly creative. My friend Kira Stokes, who is going to be on one of my next podcasts, my friend Kira is one of the most, A, she's educated, she's smart, she's dynamic, but she's also one of the most creative people I know when it comes to developing exercise programs. John Sinclair, a friend of mine based out of Florida now, same thing. He, the exercises he puts up on Instagram just blow me away because they're so creative, thoughtful, and appropriate for a number of different outcomes. So that's my advice. Understand the education certification project. If you do, or education or certification process. If you do want to follow a trainer online on Instagram, don't do it just based on appearance. Do it based on their background, their information, their education, and how they're trying to help you. So hopefully that gives you some insight into kind of how you can work with a trainer because I'm, well, I'm biased. Uh, you know, my, I make my living educating personal trainers now, and I'm biased because that, you know more education trainers need, the busier I stay. But the bottom line is this, is, is you want somebody that knows how they're you know, designing exercise programs. When you go to a doctor, <laughs> you don't want to trust them just because they might look healthy. They might not have a medical degree. You want to go to a doctor that graduated in the top of their class, that has spent the time learning. And you want to go to a doctor who exemplifies good health. You know, and I'll share more about that later. You know, this is getting a little bit long for a quick fit tip. But you know, it's more important that you understand the trainer's background, knowledge, education, and commitment to your success before you decide to spend any money on that. So this is episode 83, quick fit tip, just about the different types of personal trainers out there, the different business models. To those of you who've written reviews, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. If you, if you value this information, if, if you find this is helpful, if you like the guests I have on, all I ask from you right now is just to give me a review. Take a few minutes of your time and provide me with a review. So with that, thank you for stopping by All About Fitness. I look forward to having you join me for future episodes.